Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I am here today with my friend, Chelsea Erickson, and we are going to be talking with you today about how do we make sure that we are leading ministries that are safe for students? Uh, what are some wise uh, protection policy guidelines to establish, and how do we maintain those? And how do we minister to students who have suffered abuse, uh, possibly a long time ago, or what if uh, there is a, a report that comes in? How do we respond to that, and how does that reflect the commitments of the gospel and leading a biblically and theologically informed ministry? And so, Chelsea is the pastor of youth and families at First Congregational Church in Hamilton, Massachusetts, and I am thrilled to welcome you onto the podcast. Welcome, Chelsea. Thanks for having me, Mike. So glad to be with you. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. All right, so as we start each episode, I think it's really fun to get to know our guests a little bit as their teenage selves. So uh, what were you into as a teenager? Sports, clubs, theater? Uh, what type of teenager were you? Uh, definitely not a sporty teener, teenager. Um, I, was, I was a social kid who loved to be out doing things with people. So I think that was kind of the leading uh, force of my life was like, how can I be with people as much as possible? True extrovert. Um, I was into journalism. I loved my high school paper and um, reporting and editing for that. Um, so that's kind of been a theme. And then um, I was really into youth group. I loved I, I loved Jesus. I loved my friends at church. Um, it was a really wonderful environment for me um, where I learned and grew a lot. Um, so that was a huge part of my life as well. Awesome. And so I know um, you're, you're really big into horses and equestrian. Yes. And uh, did you get into that in your teenage years too? I did. Or even yeah, before? Yeah, that was, yeah, even before. Yeah, probably yeah. childhood, more middle school. And then high school, I was at the barn five days a week, riding, cleaning tack, hanging out with other horse kids and adults. Yeah. And yeah, so that was a big part of my life too. Yeah, that's super cool. My daughter's been into horses for the last year riding and it's been so good for her. I love so, it. It's it's yeah, an awesome cool. thing. It's really cool. All right. So um, I, ha I have questions about horse riding, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Yes. Um, I'm glad to talk so, about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you are. I know you are. Um, so yeah, uh, we're bringing you on uh, today to talk about child protection policies and guidelines. Um, I know uh, just from being friends with you, that's uh, one of the things that you are very, very diligent about talking mm -hmm. about with especially with new youth workers and everything. And I've really benefited from um, listening into a lot of those conversations and asking your counsel and wisdom on that. So uh, what is a child protection policy and why is that important for churches to have in place? 
Yeah, so important. And thanks for your kind words about it. I think it's something I've learned a lot on the job, as we all kind of do. Um, But basically, a child protection policy is really a document that outlines some of the best practices um, that we're committing to as a church, specifically in youth and children's ministry, but it really should encompass your whole church. um, And everybody should be on the same page with it all staff, elders, you know, anybody else involved in leadership. Um, and basically it's it's trying to create a safe environment, right? We want to provide the safest possible environment for children and teenagers to grow in the love and knowledge of God. Um, so it's really foundational to all that we do in youth ministry, but even more broadly in the life of the church. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully you have insurance as a church. You know, that's a really important piece is to have liability insurance for the the accidents that happen or, you know, something that happens that is totally unintentional. Most of these insurance companies are going to want churches to have some kind of a child protection policy. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, for our church, even that was the driver, driving force and kind of um, prompting us to relook at that, to uh, rewrite some of our policies um, just as of a year and a half ago. And, um, but I think the important thing for youth workers, especially the brand new youth worker to understand is that that liability insurance, um, those companies are, are looking for a way they, they're protecting you, offering some coverage, but they're also trying to make sure that they don't have to pay out on silly things that you just didn't have in your policy. So their, their kind of intent in having that document is really a little bit in terms of their business model, right? And for us as youth workers, as pastors, um, as even lay leaders, parents, our goals are a little bit different. You know, of course, we want to protect the church from any unforeseen financial liability, but much, much more than that. Our primary goal is that we want to create that safe environment for our kids. And so I think that's an important nuance. Um, And I guess just my conviction would be you want to be looking at this. Yes, it's great. Like your insurance company will probably provide a sample policy or something that gets you started. And that way you don't have to start from scratch creating this thing. Um, but really you probably want to be talking with an attorney about it and you really want to be prayerfully considering and looking for resources that are, um, that are really focused on the best interest of kids and not necessarily the, just the church. Um, Because we've seen what can happen. I mean, as recently as the reporting in the last couple of weeks, it's devastating when the main goal is for churches to protect themselves. Um, Our goal as as ministers of the gospel needs to be protecting those who are in our care and especially those who are the most vulnerable. Um, So I think it's it's wise to have kind of a multitude of counsel there, like lean on your insurance company, whatever they provide in terms of resources. But we really want um, we want some outside counsel besides just that influencing yeah. the yeah. way we're thinking about these things so right because so as as youth pastors um we're we're in agreement with the insurance company mm-hmm. that we need to have one but our yes. motivations might be somewhat different and your your reasons for it um will guide and shape what those policies are Absolutely. Um, and that, so. that policy is really, I mean, when I look at ours, it's about four pages long. We, we were yeah. able to, you know, try to make it somewhat succinct because yeah. we have every yeah. leader read and sign this. We want them to be really knowledgeable about it. Every staff person, elder yeah. should sign it as well. Um, but it includes, it's really comprehensive in the sense that it includes everything from our diapering policies to will we medicate kids? Or not, you know, will we will we dispense their medications, um, and that can look different on a weekend retreat than in mm-hmm. Sunday school, right? 
um, to how are we vetting and onboarding our leaders? What training are we requiring and providing yep. for them? Yep. Um, to our, our reporting structure, like what happens if an abuse is reported? Who does that go to? And what's the chain of command yep. to make sure that it's reported in the appropriate way, even to our government authorities? So yeah. it's really, I mean, it goes everything from the most basic kind of like, how are kids getting to the bathroom in a safe way to, um, you know, what does it look like if, if sadly an abuse were to be aport- reported in our yeah. church? So Yeah. And by kids, um, obviously, I'm talking more about children than teenagers there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but I mean, according to the guidelines, I mean, all minors are included. Kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um if you were going to think about like just main basic categories in a, a child protection policy, what are some general categories that you think like really should be included in a, in a good child protection policy? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for sure. I mean, I think the most important things are that, that um, reporting process, like who, who does someone, to whom does someone bring uh, an abuse a potential abuse or a, you know, a report of that kind. Um, And then how does that get carried out from there? Where does it go from that person? If someone reports it to me, who am I required to as the pastor of youth and families at my church to, to report it to next chain of command and um, say that again, like the chain of command. Yeah, exactly. And, and knowing who's a mandated reporter in your state, that varies from state, from state to state. Um, and so knowing who's who's required to report what to the state yeah. is yeah. really important part of that. Um, and then equal to that, I think, is just the process by which people will be vetted and considered as youth or children's workers, right? So we want to yeah. know what's our what's our process for onboarding them, for vetting them, for doing background checks, interviews, reference mm-hmm. checks, um, all of those different steps that are really considered best practice. Yeah. Um and having that outlined there, I think, is really helpful when you're bringing people on board because they can see in print that this is not personal. It's not that you're just asking them yes. for references. Yeah, you're asking every important. leader for this. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. also any policies for youth ministry, especially about like who's allowed to drive students and right. what's your policy on contact work? Some denominations have completely just said there's no one-on-one contact work anymore. Um, other churches are open to it, but with some some guidelines and some nuance yeah. to how that can appropriately happen, how are yeah. parents notified that that's happening. Um, so I think all of those things from a youth ministry perspective would be really yeah. important. To but include. the fuzziness is where we get ourselves in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're not sure or if there's like fuzzy boundaries and guidelines, then you and your volunteers and the parents, it's like everyone's on a different page. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. If you have it in that. writing, the parents and the youth leaders yeah. can reference it, and they kind of yeah. know what the what the guideline is. So yeah, that's a great point. Uh, so, what are some of the common objections that you've heard to even having a child protection policy? I'm sure that you've heard some of those. I've heard some of those. Um, yeah. So, what are some of those common objections, and how do you respond? Yeah, that's a, such a good question. I think um, probably the most common one that I've been familiar with is we're a church or even maybe in a more intimate setting, uh, we're a family church. We look out mm-hmm. for one another. Something like this yeah. could never happen here. Yeah. And I think um, I'm hearing that less you know, in recent years as we've seen these things hit the yeah. news more and more. But I would say five years ago, I was 
still hearing that a lot. And just, it was well-meaning and and innocent, I think, of people thinking, seeing, believing the best. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes that can be a real hindrance to safety when, when we're not watchful, um, we can, you know, really terrible things can happen. And it's, a, it's helpful. It's empowering to know the statistics on that. So I have a couple here that I can share. Um, this is from Ministry Safe, which is an organization that my church uses um, to provide yeah. our sexual abuse awareness training. And so I think these are up to date um, as of at least my last viewing of their material a year ago. Um, but it says as many as one in three girls and one in four boys will experience some kind of sexual abuse during their childhood. That's that's a pretty a statistic that's just yeah. so sobering and heart wrenching, yeah. but one that we're you know hearing more and more about. Um, and and also some somewhere between sixty to seventy percent of these cases we believe will never be reported. So that's just staggering, but it's helpful for your framework yeah. to say this does happen and it's not always reported. So a background check doesn't always reveal everything that we would hope. Um, and then sadly, I mean, this still just kind of like makes my stomach hurt. Like up to ninety percent of sexual abuse victims were abused by someone they know. Yeah. So this kind of old idea, I think, that we had when we were kids, Mike, of like stranger danger, that's not really where the the bulk of the concern lies anymore. We now know that ni- up to 90%, it's actually within these intimate relationships, um, people who are grooming both the child and the gatekeepers, which is us, right? We're the gate- yeah. gatekeepers. Our leaders, in some cases, are the gatekeepers, uh, lay leaders, that is. And... Um, so yeah, sadly, it just it's it's our situation. You know, our ministry context is actually a really opportune time for somebody who has nefarious purposes to to come in and yeah. harm kids and teenagers. So we you know I think we don't need to be it's it's easy to be fearful of that, and I don't think that we actually need to be fearful. But I think we do need to be very wise and discerning yes. and have our wits about us to know that this absolutely can and does happen in all kinds of churches. Yeah. So. Yeah. And particularly I, where people are not aware of the the concerns. So. Yeah, and I I just I, I want to reiterate what you're saying too, and just say like, if if there is someone who's looking to serve in the ministry, and they just kind of weird you out or creep you out, um. You know, if if you're a woman, um, and they just they make you feel uncomfortable trust your gut. Um, if you're a man, talk to your wife (laughs) or, um, you know, maybe another woman who's on staff. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't talk to other like students in the ministry. Like, Hey, what do you think about that? Is he creepy to you? Like that's inappropriate. Um, but talk to a trusted, godly, wise, discerning woman, um, about, the men who are looking to volunteer, um, even dads who are looking to volunteer in the ministry. And if the women who you talk to raise an alert, um, pay attention to that. And I don't, I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah. 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 Thanks for saying that, Mike. I think that's so important. And I've shared elsewhere, but I actually had a DCF worker come and share with our church a number of years ago. And that was one of the things that he said that really stuck with me was, I don't think he was even a believer, but he was talking about our conscience. And, you know, as he was saying it, we were all in the room, we were thinking, yes, we have the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you have a check in your spirit about someone, 
you know, yeah. pray about that, recognize that that could actually be from the Lord, that, that yeah. gut feeling or that instinct might actually be, um, the Lord right. speaking to you. And we don't and need to demonize somebody, a, but we just don't necessarily need to have everybody serving with youth and children. Yeah. So. And I mean, there's a difference between someone who's socially awkward, um, mm-hmm. and someone who's, who makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. we should have socially awkward youth workers. Yeah. That's that's great, you know, because we yeah. have some socially awkward teenagers and maybe yes. the socially awkward people need other socially awkward people to connect and say, hey, like you can still be a mature Christian and be socially awkward. Yes. That's OK. Um, but if if they make people feel uncomfortable, that that's a different story. Um, yes. So just be just be aware of that. Um, 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Ch- Chelsea, what are, <laughs> what are some ways that um, you've seen uh, healthy guidelines change uh, over the course of your ministry? I know uh, just a few minutes ago you were saying um, what policies you, you recommend and practice in your ministry today are different from a decade ago. Uh, what are some yeah. of those differences? Yeah. How, is, how have you seen that change? It has been interesting to watch it evolve because, I mean, we've been doing background checks, state-required background checks. I served full-time in Connecticut and then in Massachusetts, so we're in the same context in terms of what's required by our commonwealth here. Um, And and we've been doing that for my entire time in ministry, you know, the background check and an interview, you know, meeting with people and kind of getting a feel for some of the dynamics, interpersonal dynamics that you're talking about, hearing a little bit about their history. But I would say I think I put more weight on the interview than I maybe once did. Um, and you know, some partly because of some of this advice that I've heard over the years and, and just learning to trust my own intuition and to listen for God's voice in the midst of bringing people on board, listening to, uh, the voices of others. Um, but a couple things that I think are kind of new, newer to me, um, and maybe to a lot of ministries. Um, and I was just researching this over the past couple of years for our policy. So it really is best practice now to do reference checks. Yeah. Maybe some churches like great for you if you've been doing that for a long, long time. I truly have not. And I've, I've just learned, you know, that is something that's considered, you know, if you look at your insurance policies, guidelines, if you talk to an attorney, they will say you absolutely need to be doing that. Um, because that is one of the ways that you can really start to hear a little bit of someone's history that you might not hear from them directly. Mm-hmm. So more, most of the time, you know, when I'm bringing on a new leader, those conversations are so encouraging. Like you're hearing yeah. these great stories about someone's character and the way that they've seen them grow and how they've invested in students before. But uh, you may get a little bit of a red flag somewhere along right. the line with those conversations. And if you do, I think it's appropriate to go back and do some more digging, ask, Hey, we'd like, you know, we'd actually like to check a couple more references and do a little further digging. Um, or you might learn something that's disqualifying and that just, let me, let me press you on that a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so imagine that I'm volunteering in your, to serve in your youth ministry, which would be super fun. Um, so I'm a new volunteer in your ministry. You're calling to do a reference check on Mike McGarry. Um, what sort of questions do you ask in that reference? Like when you, when you say check references for a youth volunteer, what, how does that conversation go? What do you ask about? Yeah. Well, I would want to know about the person's experience just generally, how long have they known 
this person they're being a reference for? Um, how well have they known them? Have they, what mm-hmm. kind of context have they seen them in? Cause that gives you a picture of like, is this a pretty yeah. shallow relationship or do they actually, yeah. have they been like in the trenches with this person? Um, and more often than not, I find people will give somebody who knows them, seems to know them really, really well right. and has served with them over multiple years. Um, I want to know, uh, whether I, I want to know about the relationship with Jesus, you know, how have you seen them growing in Christ and, you know, are there any per- particular struggles that, you know, would be important for us to know about as we're including, uh, considering bringing them on board with teenagers, um, or younger children. Um, and then I want to ask specifically, like, have they ever been accused, um, of any kind of abuse sexual or otherwise have, have, has there been anything that's made you uncomfortable? Have you, do you have any awareness of any abuse that's taken place or even any accusations of abuse? Um, and would you feel comfortable with them being in a small group or even a one-on-one setting with your child or a child that's close to you? Yeah. So really pressing into some of those direct questions, which are awkward to ask, they but, are. you know, I usually frame it by saying, you know, we, we love this person. We're loving getting to know them. We're excited about mm-hmm. the possibility of having them serve, but we have, you know, we just have to do our due diligence to make sure yeah. that, um, that our kids are safe as far as it depends yeah. on us. So. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So. Oh, other things with are, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, yeah, you. I wanted to just make sure I, I answered your question fully. So reference checks, interviews, um, certainly your state mandated um, background check, but also for youth leaders, we do a national background check yes. because we know these Super people could important. be coming from somewhere else and they might be driving kids at some point, they might be going on a retreat with kids. So for every youth worker, we do that national background Mm -hmm. check as well. Um, And that includes sexual offender, the sexual offenders lists also. It does. Because they're different registries, right? Yeah. Good point. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we've, we've gone to um, requiring uh, an application too, where people tell us a little bit more about themselves just in Mm -hmm. writing. It's just another way to garner some information that, they might not say in a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. So asking about their relationship with Jesus, asking directly if they've ever been accused yeah. of sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I think it can be kind of a sticking point for some churches, and we had a lot of conversation about it at mine, um, is like a six-month rule. Um, and I'd, I'd be curious how you handle this, Mike, but mm-hmm. we say people really need to be attending our church for a minimum of six months before yep. they would come on board serving Same. with youth and children. Same. Yeah, I know some churches uh, even say they need to be members, which yeah. I think is awesome. We, you know, we're not there at our church at this point, yeah. but I think that could be a great gatekeeper kind of. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we have, say yeah. that youth and children's ministry are some of the most important ministries of the church, and, and caring yeah. for the next generation, and for those who are vulnerable, um, but we'll just let anyone do it. <laughs> right. That's kind of contradictory isn't it it is yeah 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 i think that's totally. wise um yeah so, so i, I think overall i just i just quick. have my radar up more oh sorry i was just gonna say i think overall i just have my radar up more and i i kind of feel like you know sometimes people maybe they're gonna think we're on a witch hunt you know we're mm-hmm. trying our best not to be um but if people are bothered by the fact that i'm trying to have an eagle eye for this stuff like you know i would just i would rather yeah. parents feel confident that i have my antenna up 
that I'm not messing around with this, that I care very much about the safety of their kids. Yeah. And um, I'll take that as a reputation rather than, yep. oh, they're just letting anybody serve, you know? Right. So. Yeah, totally. Um, two thoughts. So one is uh, I also do um, just a written application and have the mm-hmm. process and everything. And I refuse to chase people down for it back because mm-hmm. I could just kind of feel like, you know, if someone expresses interest, I give them the application and they won't turn it in and they won't fill out the Corey form. And um, if they won't go through the process mm-hmm. and that's too much work for them, are they really going to be a reliable worker and servant in the ministry? Right. right. So it is a bit of a yeah. vetting process of like, you know, if this is not a very high bar, uh, yeah. it is way easier to fill out this application and go through this process than it is to actually do the ministry that you're applying to do. Yeah. So if you can't, <laughs> if you can't fill out the, the paperwork and turn it in, um, I, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll check in with you about it again, but I'm not going to hold your hand and fill it out for you and yeah. babysit you for it you know yeah um so the other thing i want to kind of get your feedback on is social media um because that's different from in the Mm -hmm. past and um in our our child protection policy i I think sometimes these are these can be written and only reviewed when the insurance company requires it to be reviewed Mm -hmm. and so some listeners probably your child protection policies are older than social media is. Um, What do you think about social media and child protection policy? Uh, I guess that, yeah, just do you, do you have social media guidelines in there or is that kind of just more of expectations for youth workers and it's a different, yeah, we don't have it in our child protection policy right now. Um, it is it is something that we're working on as like a separate kind of an addendum for yeah. youth workers. Um, and I think like contact work, you know, it's just so – it's so going to be different for everybody's context and yeah. where where your church feels comfortable, where your church feels convicted, where, you know, where your context makes things more or less challenging right. in certain areas. So – I would say, you know, I think when social media was first coming out, the church that I was a part of put a lot of time into figuring out like each little detail of like what can leaders do. And I think that just gets, it's like limiting because there's so, there's a new app every week, you know, it's just reading about something new, like the, um, these plugins now that kids are using and it's so hard to keep up. So I think if you can boil it down to a few general guidelines, um, and, and probably text, you know, similar to what you would say about texting, um, limits that you would set around that. And, and generally yeah. I think, you know, use it for a quick, maybe like a quick encouragement, but not for deep conversation would yeah. be my biggest kind of takeaway on that because yeah. it's not out in the open. It's kind of akin to meeting a kid in a private place or with a door shut. Like we just don't mm-hmm. want to do that. It's not best for anyone, especially the kid. Um, so I think some general guidelines like that are probably your best, yeah, best bet. Given the changing nature of it, that it's different every week, you know. Right. Yeah, and I think part of that is just to be careful, you know, to be wise, mm-hmm. be above reproach. Um, but that texting students is still time alone with students. Even I would say gaming, right? I mean, if yeah. you're playing 
um, video games to all hours of the night um, with students, you, you just want to make sure that it's, you're not putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Um, and mm -hmm. I know that this is kind of blurring the line between what's in a child protection policy and what's just establishing healthy boundaries in your right. in your ministry. And I think those are overlapping, but not always the same thing. Uh, but yeah. you just want to make sure that you and your volunteers are not putting yourself in a vulnerable position um, in your efforts Absolutely. to to really minister to students kind of on their turf. Um, mm -hmm. It's a hard tension to draw, but you just got to have wisdom. And I would I would even just say talk it through with your volunteers so they so they know, because like we said earlier, the gray areas where you get yourselves in trouble. Yeah. So. You know, one thing I would add to the list of things that have changed that I think is actually helpful to this piece of the conversation too, Mike, is, you know, 10 years ago, I was not doing sexual abuse awareness training for leaders. Yeah. And now that's a part of our process of onboarding someone. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier, we use ministry there safe for that. There are others. Um, you do too? or Yeah. Yeah. yeah we use protect, there's also protect my ministry yeah. is the one we okay. use, but it's the same. Difference. Yeah. So I've heard good things about that. I know yeah. Brotherhood Mutual offers a similar yeah. resource, but I think those kinds of tools that walk leaders through yeah. the the scary stuff about this. I mean, I often tell people you need to like set aside some time afterward to process because this is going to take your mind into some dark places to hear yeah. this material, and yeah. it's hard to hear. Um, but I think that that helps our leaders and others in our church, elders, other pastors on staff. Um, it really helps us to have our wits about us and understand why this is so, yeah. you know, these things yeah. that you're talking about with social media helps us not to put ourselves in a position where we'll be unintentionally doing harm to a mm -hmm. kid um, or even putting ourselves in a questionable position that could be misunderstood or that could spiral into something yeah. we didn't intend. So, yeah, that's a good word. Um, so in the youth pastor theologian podcast, right, we want to talk about theology and, yes. um, yeah, our desire in talking about protection policies and uh, ministry to uh, abuse survivors and everything is not mm -hmm. just motivated by insurance, is not motivated yes. by just keeping our church afloat. Um, but what are some of the biblical and, and theological foundations for youth workers mm -hmm. to take sexual abuse seriously, um, physical abuse, uh, emotional abuse? Um what are some of the biblical and theological foundations important for youth workers to have in mind here? Yeah, well, there are two things that really come to mind for me, Mike, on this topic. And um, they're both straight from the mouth of Jesus, which I love that, um, you know, that this is actually embedded deeply in mm -hmm. Jesus' ethos for ministry yeah. and the way yeah. that he looked at um, showing people the gospel. Um, so the first is from Matthew 18, 16. Um, and it's this verse that we often quote about about um, our ministry to kids. But if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for to ha him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Um, so those are some really harsh words, I think, that show how serious Jesus is about protecting little ones. Like yeah. this is this is not like as you said earlier, you know, it's not just pragmatic. This is like deeply rooted in the heart of the gospel that our call and charge as those entrusted with with teenagers and perhaps with younger children, depending on your position in the church, um, it, it is so central to our call um, to be protecting them. That's, that's just 
that's part of our job as ministers of the gospel. And if we cause them to stumble, Jesus has harsh words for the people who do that. So I just, I love that because it, I mean, it it causes me some fear and trembling, honestly, because it's a, it's a heavy load. And yet we know that Jesus carries it with us. And so I love it that he is so serious about the protection of kids. And honestly, if we want them to receive the gospel, if we want them to believe the good news about Jesus, how do we expect that they would do that in an environment where their physical safety is not cared about, you know, where they're victimized or um, treated as, as less than image bearers of God? Like how, how does that line up with the gospel that we teach? It doesn't. So we need to create an environment that promotes the gospel we believe, the good yeah. news. Yeah. Um, of Jesus. So I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and the second word of Jesus is about, is kind of for us as, um, as ministers, you know, when he sends out the disciples in Matthew 10, it's also in Matthew, um, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. And so I think, you know, back to kind of the ministry safe or protect my ministry content, it's, it can be really hard to watch. And sometimes, you know, we're in it every day. So we get a little bit numb to it and in kind of a sad way because we have to think about these things a lot. But we really, I think, are wanting all the people in our ministry around us also to be both both wise and innocent, to be wise to the problems and the thing, the sin that's in this world. Um, and then yeah, to to help one another maintain innocence in in the things of Christ and to walk with him. So yeah. So there are two words that just yeah. stand out to me as part of our call. Oh, that's really good. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think too about like what it even means to be a pastor is to be a shepherd, mm-hmm. right? And it's like right. um, good shepherds love and care for and protect their sheep. And yeah. shepherds who do not care for and protect and defend their sheep are wicked. Are Those are wicked shepherds. And... Yeah. Do we want to be good shepherds to the students and kids in our mm-hmm. ministries, or do we want to be wicked shepherds? And um, yeah, yeah it's just foundational to what it means to yeah. be a pastor. Yeah, thank you so much. It is. Um, yeah. And when it's abused, it's it has really damaging effects. Um, yeah. So you just you know, uh, Russell Moore had a great article um, about everything that's happening yeah. in the SBC, and at the end of it, he talked about you know, just kind of this incongruence between like, I think his words were like boasting that no one could reach the world like we could, you know, the IMB and I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. So I love, I love the SBC and praying for just this atrocity that's happened and just that leaders will step up and and do the right thing from here. Mm. But, um, but yeah, just, he was kind of drawing the, the dissonance between like boasting about missions and look at all we're doing. And meanwhile, people are being horribly abused and it's being covered up rather than brought into the light. So Mm -hmm. I think we want to be people of the light. We want to be people who are not afraid of the light, but even if, even if we've failed in some way, or if, if someone in our ministry has, we want to be willing to expose that in a healthy way, you know, in the appropriate way. Um, not to bring somebody down, but just to to let the light in and and allow God to to work healing rather than to cover up and to yeah. um, perpetuate a cycle or a culture of abuse. So yeah. Um. So I know normally our episodes 
would be cutting off around here, but this is so important. I want to make sure that we uh, have time to address, you know, the, the pastoral care element mm -hmm. of all this is uh, when, when a student shares about an incident um, that needs to be reported, how do you provide pastoral care for them, for their family in the days, the weeks following the report? And what does the gospel say to abuse survivors, whether or not it's um, abuse that happened a long time ago, or if it's something mm -hmm. more recent? Uh, how do you speak the gospel over them? What does pastoral care look like for yeah. abuse survivors? Yeah, such a good question. I mean, I think, first of all, we want to listen without judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to avoid any kind of accusatory questions. Why didn't you tell someone? Yeah. Or yeah. why didn't you yell? Or, you know, anything that would make them feel like they did the wrong thing in that moment. Yeah. Um, so we want to really just listen without judgment, invite them to share, um, create a safe space for that. Um, we want to affirm that they didn't deserve this or cause this. You know, yeah. I think that's a really, if they hear yeah. nothing else from us, we want them to hear, uh, that we believe they didn't deserve or cause this. And that's, yeah. that's what God speaks over them. Um, and we want to, of course, preach the gospel, which I think, um, I think in that context, you know, it looks like, um, just affirming that they're known and loved by God made in his image with intrinsic value, worth great value to him. Um, I think we can also point to the cross that Jesus, and this is not to minimize their suffering. It's to say Jesus identifies with you, right? That right. Jesus experienced shame and humiliation. So he identifies with their pain. Um, he's with them. They're not alone as they experience that and walk through that. Um, and then also to affirm that God is a God of both justice and of love. And so, um, you know, it's not, they don't have to, uh, as much as we want to like fight back and defend ourselves and avenge this, we trust that God is actually the one doing that, that, um, that his heart of love for them and his heart of justice, that things would be made right. Like he's not going to, you know, Exodus 34 quoted all throughout the prophets, like he's not going to leave the guilty unpunished. Yeah. And I think that's an encouraging word to someone who has felt defenseless and, um, you know, like they don't have a way to avenge themselves. Yeah. So, and then I think we want to keep showing up for them and their families. You know, we want to keep mm -hmm. checking in, um, and, and we also want to find ways to be transparent with our congregations. If something has happened in our churches, this is so tricky because we're talking about minors. Yeah. We can't disclose those details. We're talking about victims. So we don't want to disclose anything that would further add to their humiliation or their right. hurt. Um, and, you know, we're not trying to demonize even someone who has really, really been in the wrong. It's not that we're trying to demonize that person, but we do want to be really transparent about what happened and, um, and again, just bring that into the light. And I think, I think that's important for the victims as much as it is for the yes. congregation, as we're kind of seeing in the SBC yeah. reporting that's unfolding. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Before we wrap up, is there anything else um, about protection policies or ministry to survivors um, or any recommendation uh, resources or any other yeah. um, words that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Well, I think, you know, the, the big takeaway for me here, one of the big takeaways I should say is um, I would just really encourage anybody who's new to youth ministry this really should be your first priority. You know, before it's we're all like we get into youth ministry because we want to hang out with kids, we want to teach the Bible, we want to point them to Jesus. Um, this is not the fun stuff of ministry. This no. is the really hard, 
labor that really nobody sees, you know, it kind of, it's lost in the shuffle, but God sees your heart in these things. And I think Mm -hmm. if you're new to a church, uh, this would be the first question I'd be asking about even in an interview process. Like, what do you have in place? How can we work together to get something in place if it needs to be updated? Um, so I'd really encourage anybody who's new in a church or new to the the field to really start there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's hard to do. And so for all who are doing it, you know, keep going or doing good work, lean on Jesus. Um, and I just I really pray that our generation, you know, that from here, from the things that we've seen, we can set a different pattern in the church. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, if you're, especially if you're new, um, in your church and in your ministry, um, get to know the child protection policy. If you, if there isn't one, um, lobby and leverage and work, um, to get one in place. Um, one, one practical suggestion that I have is, uh, to create a Google doc, uh, with a list of counselors and, um, therapists and kind of people who you can refer to, um, with their names, their location, their address or their contact info, what insurance do they take and what what types of counseling do they do? Are they a Christian counselor? Are they not a Christian counselor? Put that all in a in a document so that it's ready and available for you when you're talking with a student or you're talking to a parent, uh, whether it's a um, you know mandated report situation or just a mm-hmm. pastoral care um, scenario. So you have it readily available to say, hey, let me send you this list of counselors for you to talk to with someone who is who is trained and licensed and um i think that might be a helpful resource uh that yeah that's that i've so used on hand and and been thankful to have that to readily send yeah. out to people Absolutely. Um, and if you ever have to choose between reporting a scenario of abuse or suspected abuse and keeping your job then report the abuse and lose your job. Mm-hmm. So um, be a good shepherd yeah. um, who is willing to lay yourself on the line to care for and to protect the sheep that God is calling you to call in your ministry. Mm-hmm. So Yes, and amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, thank you so much for your friendship. First of all, um, thank you for your ministry. Uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. And so thanks thanks to our listeners for listening in. Uh, We trust that this has been helpful, sobering, uh, but helpful for you as you consider uh, how you can best care for and minister to the children and students and parents in your own ministries. And so uh, we'll check back in with you and we'll see you again next week. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. 
You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus and we'll see you next week.